the more and more people start to talk about mental health and realise it's okay to discuss problems, these areas tend to be less scary. And I think the same sort of analogy for, for cybersecurity. The more we bring people on that journey to be better at cybersecurity, the, the more they'll be involved. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Behave podcast. My name is Munya Hoto, and I am the VP of Marketing here at CyberSafe. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen Middleton. Stephen is the Information Security Officer at the global metal recycling company, EMR. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Munya. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show, Stephen. And um, I'm, I'm always fascinated by how people end up in the security space as a professional. So if you don't mind, just our audience, uh, giving us a bit of a journey. And I mean, please go as far back as you'd like, like you're talking to an old friend, about how you kind of began your journey and how you end up indeed um, at EMR in this in this particular role. Sure, no problem. So, um, I mean, my journey into, into a technical arena, into IT goes way back to 2001. I left um, Sixth Form College Having done A-level IT, find myself in my first help desk role in 2001. Uh, that was basic first line support. And ever since then, I've, I've worked in that IT arena, progressing my way up through support to service delivery and service desk manager. I've been with the current company EMR for 13 years now. Since I joined there as a service desk analyst, I've progressed to managing the service desk team, built out a service desk team in our US business where we had no previous service desk footprint. So I've built that and managed that over a number of years. And then about five years ago, I was asked by my boss, the CIO, to help implement ISO 27001 for our head office in the UK and one of our operational sites. Ever since then, I've found myself working in the cybersecurity, uh, information security space, helping the business improve that's quite a journey. And um, I've got a couple of questions just about how the support route um, has kind of um, shaped your perspective on the current role that you have now. But I'm also pretty sure that our audience is curious when, when they hear the, the, the kind of title information security officer, they probably hear different things. And would you mind explaining to us exactly what that actually means and what perhaps a day in the life of that information security officer might, might, might look like? Yeah, so I think the, the background in sort of service desk support really, really helps with my current role because I've spent probably most of my IT working life at the coalface, first line, dealing with end users, colleagues. So really those relationships that you need to be able to bring about an information security culture are already there, especially working at EMR like I have for 13 years. I've got a good rapport with people. So information security is not always uh, an easy subject to get people on board with, but having those relationships from the support roles that I did has certainly helped. I would say a typical day in the life for me, I manage our uh, information security management system, our ISMS, as part of our 27,001 certification. I'm spread really right across that whole implementation, that whole standard. Typically would be coming in in the morning, looking at threat intelligence, anything that's coming overnight via email to say, you know, new zero day attacks, looking at that kind of thing and working with the technical teams to make sure we've got a hold on that sort of stuff. Working on risk management, doing risk assessments and risk mitigation work with all of our departments across our sites. I have quarterly meetings with them, but also in between those quarterly meetings, there's a lot of work going on to help them 
understand their risk and put the, the relevant controls in place to keep us secure. Also closely aligned with the technical team on the projects that we're running as well. So our SOC and SIEM implementations, vulnerability management, currently working on a training and awareness program for the business as well to, to get the whole business globally on board with a training program. That sounds like quite a handful there, Stephen. I mean, what kind of team do you have and, and, and what kind of support do you have around you, particularly in the, in, in the InfoSec space? A relatively small team, to be honest, Munya. So we, we have just short of 4,000 employees spread across 160 locations, mainly UK, US and Europe. For that number of employees, our security team is myself as ISO, and then we have a technical security manager and two cybersecurity analysts. So it's, it's sort of a team of four at the moment, which is expanding. So very small team for the amount of work that we have to get through and, and the projects that we've got ongoing. So it keeps us very busy. I can imagine it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. does very busy days. Uh, and we've recently, after running a number of successful apprenticeship schemes back in my service desk days, in March this year, we took on our first ever cybersecurity apprentice. So we, we have a lady who's, who's uh, fulfilling that role. She's, she's really enjoying the apprenticeship. So, so the team is growing and we plan to continue to grow that team in the future. Fascinating. And we will come down to how you are developing, um, you know, a talent pool going forward through this apprenticeship program that you have. I think that's, that's really novel, actually. I've not, I don't think I've had a guest on the, on the podcast up until now that's actually described that kind of intentionality as it pertains to, 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 to growing talent. So that's something that I think we're going to definitely need to touch on. You mentioned something in your opening remarks about how information security isn't always easy to get people on board with. Do you have a reason as to, or some thoughts as to why that is the case, Stephen? I think a lot of the time when we when we touch on cybersecurity versus information security, the cybersecurity subject is quite daunting for a lot of people. They see it as a very technical subject that they couldn't possibly understand. We still have challenges when we talk about information security. It's not just the technical security. We're talking about how the business manages their suppliers, how the business manages the physical information that they've got, the paperwork that's out on the sites, how they control physical access to buildings. So it's broadening their their view of security, not just being a technical issue. It's it's all yeah. encompassing and covers, you know, many different areas of the business. I was once doing uh, an audit at one of our sites with an external auditing company and we were taking the operations manager on a physical walk round of the site and it was a, an information security audit and the external auditor was actually picking up fire extinguishers and checking the dates on the fire extinguishers and the operations manager was a, a bit perplexed and he was looking a bit confused <laughs> why, why is this uh, auditor looking at my fire extinguishers we use that as an example to explain without your fire extinguishers if you had a fire a small fire on your site you couldn't extinguish the fire that could lead to loss of your comms and all your it systems on your site so this is how it, it it's part of information security and that that particular availability element i try to break it down and use real world simple examples for people now you've got to make it simple you can't go out to the business and explain everything in technical terms because it just won't land and, and they won't understand it and they won't you won't get the buy-in I think that that example that you just gave there is, is you know, is, is poignant and profound, right? Like if everything goes up in smoke, um, then of course our information and our data is 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 at, is at risk. And then I, and I think that actually makes the point quite clearly, which is really really interesting. I'd like to take your view on the idea of this 
the fact that the industry and security as an industry has been really good up until now, at least, at protecting infrastructure and pr protecting tools and systems. But actually, the human aspect is becoming more and more important. You know, we've all kind of seen that statistic that it's quite ubiquitous, isn't it, that 80% of breaches are um, caused by human error in some form or another. W what's your take on that, 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 that kind of we've been really focused on kind of the systems and those kinds of protections and the human element is something that perhaps needs a bit more work and a bit more and a bit more attention and, and how are you thinking about that uh, in, in your role yeah if we if we think about the uh, the people process and technology phrase when it comes to cyber security information security so as you said there Munya, there's lots of solutions out there some very expensive ones as well uh, and you can spend millions of pounds putting these solutions in place but they're not going to protect you if if one of your employees makes you know an honest mistake or even if it's a malicious mistake if you've got a malicious insider in mm. your organization so really the process and technology space is quite easy to deal with and it's taking care of itself but more focus i feel needs to be put towards the people element because if you've got five million pounds worth of technology in place protecting your, your business and one employee opens a phishing email and and it's got a zero day on it then all of that millions of pounds that you've spent is useless because of the human element, that human interaction through phishing. So I think it's very important that all organizations really, whilst they're doing all the great things on the technology, they, they also need to pay equal attention, if not more attention to, to what we're doing around training and awareness for our, for our human factor. Yeah. And, and, and you made a really good point there, Stephen, because I think one of the the challenge, at least that I observe and I come across, is that a lot of the people who end up, you know, making some of these, you know, genuinely honest mistakes are not security professionals. You know, they don't think about security in in, in their day job. They are in, you know, in procurement or they are in accounting or they're in finance. And, and, and for them, the instincts and the kind of understanding and reflexes when it comes to things like uh, kind of social engineering or any kind of other attacks is something that genuinely doesn't come naturally to people because they're just up trying to do their jobs. And so that, that kind of brings surfaces again, this, this point that you made about um, it's not always easy to get people on board because, you know, they're just trying to do their jobs. And, and, and I think actually as security professionals, at least the ones that I have had on this, on this podcast, um, feel like security has had a bad rap because they kind of show up to make people go through these tedious and sometimes, you know, kind of drawn out training programs. And they almost viewed as a disruptive compliance thing to people's day jobs. How are you countering that kind of cultural challenge of, of having people have a more positive posture towards the security programs? What we're trying to do now is we're, we're putting a real focus on including training and awareness, which is relevant to people at home as well and in their personal lives. So when we're talking about using multi-factor authentication to access our Office 365 environment, we're also educating people that they should switch on multi-factor authentication for their online banking, for their social media platforms, for all mm -hmm. their personal email accounts. And I think the more that we can drive that message that this isn't just something we want you to be doing in the workplace, we want you to take this information away and, and help yourself be more secure online at home, uh, online shopping, your family streaming services, etc. So building that training and awareness where it, it impacts them at home as well. I think when people start to think, this is how I can protect myself at home, I think the safe behaviors in the workplace become the next natural thing. So I think it's really important to, to drive that message and deliver content in a way that it's helping them. This isn't just something the workplace are forcing at you. You can benefit from this personally as well.
You bring up a very good point, Stephen, and, and I think you're absolutely right. The world that we work in has changed, hasn't it? No, no, no longer do we have these very clear distinctions between your work life and your personal life. And I think even as we came out of the pandemic and the onset of, you know, hybrid or remote, um, as well as kind of bring your own device because of those changes that took place, you know, the kind of hygiene around security has become something that is really important, whether you're in the workplace or you're at home or in an airport lounge or in a coffee shop, given the context of work right now. So this idea that security isn't just for the, for the compliance piece at work, but actually this is about just having good behaviors in general with when you're, when you're kind of um, making, make, making use of, of, of the web. Is that something that you're deliberately kind of communicating to, to your end users, or is it some kind of, is it, is it kind of emergent and becoming more and more obvious to them as they, as they kind of start to get these nudges and prompts across MFA, for example? No, we're, we're absolutely doing this deliberately. We, um, we're writing best practice information for, for information security and cybersecurity. And, and in that information that sits within our, uh, our intranet, there are sections which are specifically best practice at home. So you've got best practice at work and best practice at home. So they can see when they open up that page and it's talking about multi-factor authentication, it's not just the work message, the home message is there as well. So every time we're pushing out awareness or training, we're trying to make it a blend of that work and, and home security as well. Yeah, and I think that's, that's really helpful. And that intentionality, I think, is going to make a big difference because, you know, sometimes I've, I've noticed that actually, while your employee might be the one that, uh, or your end user from a corporate perspective might actually know what to do, their family <laughs> might not. So actually, by enabling them and empowering them with good understanding and help uh, in the right context, you're actually protecting a wider net um, than you know, what you might realize, especially if they sometimes allow those people to use their devices. And sometimes those are their work devices as well. Um, this starts to make a big difference. Really big difference. Let's switching lanes a little bit. I'm getting a sense, Stephen, that you know your kind of your your end user focus coming through that service uh, support route, and then this work that you're doing, kind of enabling uh, users in the context of work at the moment, really does say a lot about your focus on people. And one of the areas that I understand you you do care about is the mental health space uh, in general. But I, I guess perhaps as it pertains uh, even to the role that you have in the organisation, can you tell us a little bit more about the important the work that you do in that space? Yeah, so I uh, I I do have some personal background with with sort of friends and family members around the mental health uh, space. So a couple of years ago, the the company I'm working for now, EMR, launched a health and wellbeing program, and as part of that, they were looking for individuals to uh, undergo training to be first aiders for mental health. So naturally, I had some exposure to this and wanted to improve my skills on helping people in that area. So I took that training. I'm now part of a, a well-being team within the organization, which is growing. And it's it's already, you know, seen its benefits. I've helped people already. So that, that's great. The training has come to use, uh, both in inside of work and outside of work personally. So something which I'm quite passionate about. And I think as well, when you when you think of information security, cybersecurity, I, I do know people who have been victim to uh, identity theft or fraud where their their bank accounts have been you know money's gone missing out of their bank accounts mm. even, even down to people i know who are running a business and they use social media as one of their main marketing tools and they've had that that social media hacked and not been able to get back into it and the stress that that causes you know someone running a, a, a busy business that that can be mentally draining as well trying to get access yes. back to that solution so you can uh, you know carry on operating your business I think that kind of ties in with the mental health element as well. 
I think that's really important, Stephen. And, you know, I really like that philosophy because I think the, the industry and, and security indeed as, as a practice genuinely does need to move from this kind of police officer kind of stick and, 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 and come to the other side, which is we want to help you um, have a safer relationship with, with the world around you, um, whatever that context is. And we're going to do whatever it takes to meet you at your point of need and ensure that you navigate those challenges in the safe way. And indeed, should something happen, um, you're going to be supported through that in a good way and you're going to be able to come out on the other side. And actually, I think that begins to allow people to actually be more vulnerable and more open to reporting things, to to opening up to kind of um, some of the temptations that may come in, like the insider threat that you you, you described. If the environment is so punitive and, and security is a scary thing, I think um, that can actually lead to even more risk that the organization carries. I don't know what you think about, about that as a perspective. Yeah, 100%. I agree agree with that you know the more the more and more people start to talk about mental health and realize it's okay to discuss problems these areas tend to be less scary and i think the same sort of analogy for for cyber security the more we bring people on that journey to be better at cyber security the, the more they'll be involved I, I really like this and, and and i'll just say here as well i'm a big advocate for for mental health i i, I often run uh, for calm the campaign against living miserably uh, supporting men's mental health as something that's been personally important to me over the years. And, 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 you know, thank you very much, Stephen, for the work that you do there, because I think, you know, um, uh, you know, some, some of us have been through those difficult challenges and we know what difference it can make when somebody's on the other side of a telephone call or is a, a social shoulder to lean on, um, in that moment of crisis. So I think that's really, really cool and actually highly respectable. So thank you indeed for that. Switching lanes slightly just before we kind of come to the end of our time together, you mentioned this really exciting concept around apprenticeships in this space and how you are cultivating a talent uh, for future professionals in, in, in security. Did you want to tell us a little bit more about that, but particularly why you made the decision to, to, to go the apprenticeship route as an organization? And what are you seeing? And is there, is there interest? And in particular, I'm wondering whether there's interest in terms of just volume, but also diversity. Uh, who is coming to the program and, and, and what's, what's pulling them in um, from, 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 from that perspective? As, as I said earlier, we've run many successful apprenticeship schemes over the years. We've really invested in that a lot across across the whole business, but even more so in IT. I think we had the, the best succession rate with apprentices. The great thing about the apprenticeship schemes is we're taking new, fresh talent in through that apprenticeship program, and they're starting right from the beginning. Uh, they, they don't have any understanding of the business, and they're growing, as well as their technical skill, they're growing that understanding of the business. And when they come out of their apprenticeship after after the two-year program, we've managed to keep most of those apprentices. They've stayed with the business. Uh, they've moved from the service desk into other roles like development, business analysts, infrastructure engineers. And that's really great to see that they get to the end of that two-year program and they're staying with the business and moving into other areas of interest. The time and effort that you invest in that individual over the two years, you don't look back on that and think, well, that person's left now because they've stayed with the company. One of the first ever apprentices I, I took on, I think is probably now 10 years ago. He's still with the business and he's the business analyst team manager. So he's got people under him now, which is really great to see. So yeah, we, we do have good success and we really see the benefit in apprenticeship programs. When it came to cybersecurity apprentice, you asked the question on, on what the interest was like for that. So we posted out that position on LinkedIn and on our own jobs page. We had, I think we had a total of 360 applicants for the one cybersecurity wow. apprenticeship, which was, mm. which was phenomenal. The response to that was 
you know, far, far above what any of us were expecting. Gave us quite a difficult challenge in narrowing that 360 down to, you know, a small group of people that we would bring in for an assessment day. But we did that and we brought five people in for an assessment day. We ran an assessment center along with our learning and development team. Then we, we ended up with one chosen individual. The really interesting thing about our cyber apprentice that we have now, her background, she's actually come from teaching. So she was a quali- okay. qualified teacher, uh, teaching, teaching young children in school. It's a really great story, which whenever I go to do presentations and I take her with me, I, I ask her to tell the story of how she ended up in cyber. So her story was uh, during lockdown, she started to notice that money was going missing on her, I think it was a credit card, charges were starting to appear on a credit card that she wasn't using. So she contacted her bank, her credit card provider, spent hours and hours on the phone talking to them and once the bank did an investigation, they then realized she'd been a victim of, of credit card fraud. Uh, and that really triggered her interest in cybersecurity. She was, she was left wondering, how has someone done this to me? I've got, you know, I've got all the, all the right security in place on my credit card. I've, I've got MFA to log into my credit card account. How has someone managed to get my details and now is defrauding me through my credit card? Um, and with that, she, she went off and did some of the government funded uh, skills boot camps which were running during lockdown when she was she was at home for most of the time and she she really ignited a passion for cybersecurity and then applied for the role at EMR and, and was successful so she's got quite an interesting story where she's she's come from something non-technical in teaching and now ended up with us as our first ever cybersecurity apprentice so I'm, I'm really excited to have her on board and hopeful for her future. That's brilliant. That's a fantastic story. And I think it's a beacon of light for anybody that might be wondering whether it's possible to make that shift from a non-technical kind of career background into the world of cyber. Stephen, you've been amazing as a guest here on the Behave podcast. I'm going to ask you for one more favor before I let you go. Would you please, for those that are wondering how they can create a better security culture in their organization, you know, what are the some, maybe a couple of steps that you would be advising people to take that would encourage um, the organization to have a better culture around information security or, secu- or cybersecurity? I think um, uh, you have to make it personal. You have to bring them on a journey which helps them outside of work as well as inside of work to get buy-in. You also need to make sure that there's no technical jargon, shall we say. So when you're explaining to people how ransomware works, how multi-factor authentication works, you've got to really simplify it on, on a non-technical level. Otherwise, they just you just won't get interest. So I think if you can if you can make it so it helps them personally as well as work life uh, and also make it you know non-technical easy to understand and involve them in in the changes as well if you're going to bring about a new policy where you're going to enforce MFA on a system don't just communicate that we're enforcing MFA on this system Whoa. tell them the why why you're doing it the risks Whoa. that you're trying Whoa. to mitigate and how that change is going to protect them and the business better in future so I think if you if you can try and combine those three things, you can definitely bring people on the journey when you're you're trying to bring about a culture change. Stephen, you've been amazing. Like I said to my listeners, my guest today has been Stephen Middleton. He is Information Security Officer at EMR, the global metal recycling company. Stephen, thank you again for your time. And hopefully I will have you back again on this show very soon. Thank you, Munya.